Welcome back to episode seven of the Worthiness Lab. This week's guest is Stevie Shaler. She is a spiritual wellness entrepreneur that thrives by bringing community together to gather, heal, and connect with their most primal selves. Her intention behind her work is to bring healing back to basics and really allow us to access all the tools that we need from within. She deeply believes in combining both the physical and spiritual methodology to create a more balanced approach to spiritual wellness. She's been doing private, intuitive, and mediumship readings and mentorships for the last decade and has some beautiful courses and offerings that help you connect to your spirit team and access your divine guidance so that you can move in alignment with your highest self. In this episode, she shares a little bit about her story and her journey through athleticism and how her spirit team chose to give her messages to realign. She shares some wild stories about her entry into intuitive readings and the synchronicities and confirmation that she is indeed on the right path. We also get into how you can begin to develop a relationship with your spirit team through the Claire senses and so much more little nuggets of wisdom that Stevie has to offer. Stevie has been such a beautiful mentor in my own life and has given me so much permission to let go of narratives and societal standards of how business quote unquote should be done and has really allowed me to tap into flow and to deeply flow through freedom and trust in this universal guidance that is always here for us. Without further ado, Let's dive in. Stevie, I am so excited to have you here today. Your work in the world is just magical. You have opened up the door to my spirituality and to so many humans and friends and just genuine soul soul family. So thank you for, for you, and I'm really, really excited to share this conversation. Thank you, Kyra. And I am equally excited to be here. You are magical yourself. And it is just such a pleasure to, to be sitting here with you having this conversation and being a part of the, the collective experience. That's really important to me. So thank you for the opportunity. I would love if you could give us a little spiel on who you are, what you do in the world, anything that you feel called to share about you in this moment. Ah, that's a loaded question. Right? (laughs) I I really don't like to label myself. And for me, with my practice and constantly evolving and the way I approach my practice and how I show up in the world feels very dynamic and, and fluid. So it is really hard to introduce myself at times and what I do. But If I were to kind of strip it back a little bit, I would refer to myself as a spiritual wellness teacher or an intuitive health coach. So the bones of of my practice is as an intuitive medium. And I don't like to use that term very much either because we all are able, we all have the capacity to be intuitive and, and really develop our own mediumship. So to kind of give you a better understanding, spiritual wellness is my jam. And I, anything to do with, with helping the evolution of being a human and a spirit, a soul at the same time is, is where you're going to find me. Beautiful. Yeah. That is something I've really recognized in this podcast is just how difficult it is to kind of compartmentalize ourselves into what we do. And because there's so much to the multidimensionality of who we are as, as spiritual beings as humans that it's just it's magic when we connect beyond what simply we do Mm -hmm. and yeah so thank you 
thank you for attempting and beautifully articulating. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thank you. <laughs> no, you did great. I'm curious about your journey to developing your intuition. That that can be a really long process for, for some. And I'm curious if you just were born with these intuitive gifts. I know you've got lots of stories. So if you Ew. feel called to share any of them, like, <laughs> please, they're so good. <laughs> well, I, first of all, I, I, I appreciate you asking. And the, sec- the, the second part of this is the other part of me is like, how do I formulate this and condense it? Because there is just so much to it. But uh, for the most part, I was a highly sensitive child. And some of my first experiences that I can recall was around the age of five. That was really when things really started to pick up and be really active for me. And all children are intuitive from a young age, but what happens typically is after the age of five, due to conditioning and just what's going on in those those young, sensitive individual worlds is a lot of us lose that ability. And for me, it, it was just that I continue to strengthen it. It it definitely was a part of my identity already and something that I continued to develop and experience. But it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. It was a very, it could be very traumatic at times. And I know it was very traumatic for my parents as well, because here they are very like nine to five, their careers were nine to five, spirituality and sensitivity was just completely outside of their wheelhouse. And then here comes me, highly sensitive, uh, letting them know that I'm talking to spirits on the other side that aren't here in the physical world. And it was just a lot to take in. And so I had to become very resourceful from a very young age. And being highly sensitive, I tuned into the pain of others Even as a five-year-old, I knew what was going on without it being said. So there really wasn't anything that could get around me, unfortunately. I also was highly sensitive to my own pain, to my own emotions, sound. And I would say I was extremely timid. I was very shy. I didn't like being in big crowds. And so it, it was a big learning curve for me to be able to navigate through through that but yet my environment and my my condition conditioning had different expectations uh, so i didn't start sports until i was about 10 years old because i actually being so shy and sensitive i i struggled to interact with other kids my age other people may that were around me may say that they never noticed that and that I was fine. But for me, it was a big internal struggle for quite some time. But uh, with time, I learned to kind of work through that by diving into athletics. Athletics really became my identity aside from being really sensitive. And yeah, I worked really hard. I worked really purposefully. I... I did learn to ignore some of the sensitivity and the feelings throughout that process by just having something to focus on, but it still happened. (laughs) These things did surface. And the beautiful thing about it is I learned to use discernment at a really young age, because when you're weird, you're unique and you're seeing things that other people aren't seeing. I learned very quickly that not everybody operates that way and not everybody is receptive to that. Uh, So it definitely was a juggling act of figuring out how to honor me and what I was experiencing, but also not projecting that on other people. 
So I did let, allow sports to be a, a bit of a distraction for me. And I loved athletics. I, I was highly competitive with everything that I was doing. And I really dove into that space. And it's not that my intuition left me. It did heightened, but I was getting better at ignoring it. And, and my team, my higher self, they, they made that apparent. They let me know that because I ended up experiencing a lot of discomfort. And I started to notice that I was looking for things outside of myself when, when everything I needed was within. So I very quickly had noticed that I was not receiving the support or the validation I thought I needed from coaches. And that created another internal struggle for me because here now I was doing everything that kind of was expected of me being an athletic child and, and working really hard, but yet being very sensitive, I, I wasn't getting the feedback or the support that I thought I needed. And that was really hard. So here I am being different to begin with, trying to fit in. And then I, even then I still don't fit in. I'm still not living up to the expectations of others. So I had to learn how to hold space for myself, which being like 12, probably from the age of 12 to 18 is hard because we do want to be handheld. We do want to receive that encouragement. And it's not saying that I wasn't receiving it inside my household. I was based on my parents' own limited capacity and not being able to fully relate to me and what's going on. So I did have it in the household, thankfully, and I'm extremely thankful for my parents and my upbringing and their willingness to at least try and meet me halfway. But yeah, here I'm trying to navigate in the real world and again, trying to fit in, but nothing about me has ever been conventional. And I realize now that I was trying to fit into a conventional space, into a mold that I simply wouldn't thrive in. Mm. Isn't that the lesson? <laughs> well, there's lots mm. of lessons and themes in themes in here. And I mean, it took me until my late 20s to to find peace and acceptance in that because there still is always going to be that internal struggle. That's, that's a part of being human is we naturally want to fit into a space. And I think that's why I rebel so much around labels now is because <laughs> there really isn't a label that's all encompassing enough to really describe me and, and do me justice as an individual. So for me, I early on noticed that my life theme was athleticism. However, not being conventional, I was trying to fit into that conventional mold. I was going to school. I did the whole going to college, playing soccer, pursuing professional soccer, just like all of those layers that would naturally be expected of someone that's naturally athletic and gifted. But I started to run into a lot of conflict internally and externally again. And I realized that even though my theme in life is athleticism, the route I was choosing with that theme was very safe and predictable. And again, I didn't fit into that mold because I only saw one way of doing that. And even though I was coming into, into resistance, I didn't realize that I can use my athleticism in a different way. So a big part of my journey was with athleticism was a deep seated connection and awareness with my physical body. And I realize now after years and years of, of self-work that this is a superpower being able to be highly sensitive. And even though those around me didn't know how to deal with my sensitivity and felt that I should just tone it down a little bit or 
just do my best to fit in, be seen, not heard, I realized that this connection to my body is what really gave way to connecting with my intuition and with the divine in a really hyper-conscious way. And that's such a gift and and such a lesson for so many people because there's a lot of highly sensitive people in this world who are trying to fit into that conventional box and stifle pieces of themselves because it is safe and predictable and known and just more societally acceptable in in certain ways. And what a gift when we can give ourselves permission to own and reclaim that sensitivity, knowing that the deeper we go into that, the deeper we're connected to our bodies, the more we can connect to our higher self and our higher truth. Do you feel that you know, there was always something a little bit off with the sports and not getting that validation that you needed. Do you feel like that was your team kind of communicating to you in little ways of like, hey, this isn't totally aligned? Absolutely. <laughs> so what did I do? Like most people, I invested more time, more energy into trying to be better and better. And it was almost like the more work I was putting in, the more negativity I was receiving. And I mean, it's not to say that that didn't affect me. I definitely had a victim mentality for a large percentage of my life because I felt like no matter what I did, I was never good enough in the eyes of other people. But one thing that never wavered for me was that I was always good enough for myself. So there was always kind of this tug of war and this disconnect where I was very fortunate that at the root of things, I knew that I was worthy. I knew that I was capable, that I had worked really hard for all of these things, even if the external world wasn't reflecting that back to me. So I am extremely grateful for that discomfort. And again, to have that insight, I think because I was so tapped in from such a young age that I was able to make those connections for myself and not allow that conditioning to pull me away from my center and pull me away from my truth, which is that I was wholesome and perfect just as I was. But I do see a lot of people that kind of deviate away from that. And I wouldn't say some people, most people deviate away from their truth to try and fit into that conventional mold and expectation. And that's where we see a lot of the limiting emotions, those blocks, those a lot of those shadows surfacing. So again, I had to make peace with the discomfort and the sensitivity because no one else could hold that space for me, nor should they. And the more I kept pushing through with the sports, the more that was being reflected back to me. So it uh, it was a very powerful lesson. And I don't think that I wasn't where I I needed to be but I definitely was off track a little bit. And my team showed me that in such a profound way that I couldn't ignore it. And what was that profound way? Was there kind of a pivotal moment or was it a series of little moments? Mm. It was a series of little moments, but especially in terms of my last year with college soccer, I I basically wasn't seen by my coach on that team and and I can bless him now. He's he's a beautiful human and it's it was it was just a part of our spiritual agreement, I suppose. But there was so much more that came out of that for me in that I could have continued to pursue professional soccer and yeah, maybe it would have been nice from the outside, but it wouldn't have fulfilled me. And it's these opportunities that got me to step back and move in a different direction that far exceeded any expectation I ever would have had. 
Isn't that so interesting how we we cling to these identities thinking that they must be the path that we're supposed to be on, but we have no idea the transformation and the doors and the incredible opportunities that are going to be right around the corner when we just surrender to the to the trust. And what came through for me as you were speaking was just how when we don't get the thing that we want or we don't get validated in the way that we want, oftentimes we turn around and make that mean that we're broken in some way and we go spiral down the rabbit hole and then we never pull ourselves out of that. So I love that you had that anchor of knowing that you were good enough internally and you hadn't totally given that that medicine away to anyone outside of yourself to some degree. Like I'm sure there was it was both and. You had it, but it was also deeply devastating and I imagine quite the egoic blow as well. And yeah, so just really seeing you there and really happy that you pivoted in your life because the path that you are you are on is deeply incredible and and so you pivoted out of sports a little bit, but you stayed in the realm of sports. You stayed in, you were studying kinesiology, I believe. Yes. So I did, I did pivot a little bit, but still going with what was safe to safe and predictable. And again, what was kind of that expected route for somebody that's athletic. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go do my kinesiology program. I'm going to be a kinesiologist. I'm going to work with athletes. And I did do all of that. So I did finish my kinesiology degree. And even with that path, I kept coming into obstacles with changing schools and credits not being transferred when they should have been and they were being transferred for other people. And I was just mind blown that that it wasn't as seamless as what it should have been. And then I graduated and had this direction for myself. And then there's no jobs in that field. Absolutely no jobs. And I still liked some of that predictability. I liked having a bit of a guideline for myself. However, if it wasn't for my partner that I've been with for 17 years, pushing me to be self-employed at that time, and I was only 24 years old with not a whole lot of work experience either, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without him. He pushed me to open my own practice so I did do the kinesiology route for, for a decade and, and it was beautiful and I made a lot of great connections and I needed to go through that still to be able to challenge myself, know that I can be self-employed, again, connecting with my body because even though I was playing sports and afforded the opportunity to connect with my physical self, I was also abusing it severely as an athlete. So, and that, that's when my intuition really started to, to kind of shut down a little bit, not shut down, but I wasn't as awakened to it because I was constantly pushing the boundaries of my physical needs. Uh, injuries just kind of became a thing that I patched up and I worked through. I actually one point tore quad muscle and I took like two days off and still managed to play or tore everything in my ankle when I was in high school, like pretty much everything and had a blood infection where I was on anti-inflammatories or else I was going to have to go into the hospital. And the doctor gave me a pill to bring down the inflammation so I could tape up my ankle and play three days later. And I was literally black all the way up to my kneecap. So I just kind of, I, I was able to push through the physical discomfort, but 
I, I was so out of tune with my body and my needs that it started different symptoms started to manifest to get my attention, such as food sensitivities and and migraines and back issues. So my body and my team was doing absolutely everything that they could to create that connection again. So having the kinesiology practice really allowed me to to be able to view my body and performance in a much more conscious way. So I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, but the self-employment at 24, that also brought a, a lot of discomfort on my progression path. And when I started to gain weight myself, what I was doing wasn't working. It forced me to look at how at self-care in a much different way than what I was accustomed to. And as I started to tune in and, and develop that connection to myself in a very mild very mild way than what I was accustomed to, I realized how much damage I had done. And I was just almost instantly awakened to why my clients weren't seeing the progress that they wanted to see either. And I knew that there was something deeper, something, a big shift that needed to happen for me as well as for my clients in order for them to have that connection with self. So I experienced a massive burnout. And got to the point where I just couldn't even show up for work. And then I ended up with vertigo when I was trying to work. And I remember falling onto a mat as I was demonstrating an exercise because my body was just screaming at me, it's time to shift, this isn't working. And so I ended up going to work with a medical intuitive. It was just something that kind of just I was downloaded with. I, I was willing to work with somebody that wasn't as conventional and that brought me to Dr. DV. And for anybody that knows DV, she is so amazing. And she really is the catalyst for my journey. They have an incredible podcast episode together. Well, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, that was a really good one. <laughs> she's, she's so incredible. Uh, but basically, I went in to see DV and I was like, hey, I, I'm gaining weight. I have burnout. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not making like enough money to even pay my bills. Like, I just don't know what to do. And bless her heart. She just looked at me and asked me why I wasn't doing intuitive readings as a service. And I kind of looked at her like, are you crazy? I don't even know what an intuitive reading would entail. And she, she basically said like, what I'm doing isn't working. I've got to be willing to step outside of that box and, and connect with with my truth. And she kind of brought that to the surface of my sensitivity and kind of just brought everything all together where it made sense. And I was like, ah, the light bulb went on. Like, that's what I've been experiencing. And I'm creating my own <laughs> misery by pushing ahead when it clearly wasn't working for me. And so she challenged me. She said, I'm going to challenge you. Like, if it doesn't work and you don't want to do it, don't, you don't have to go back to it. But Go put on your Facebook that you're going to do 20 free readings, feel them out, and then and see how that goes. And I agreed to it because she told me, if you if you agree to this, like the money is going to come in. And, uh, and it wasn't that I was chasing money just to have more money, but rather just to take care of my basic needs, be able to, to get some of the support I needed for my physical self. So I agreed a little reluctantly. And I am not joking. I walked out of that meeting and turned out, turned on my phone and I had two 
sports teams that had reached out that were willing to pay me way more money than I ever would have asked for. And even though it was still with the sports, the the kinesiology, I knew that it wasn't my forever. It was a, a bit of a stepping stone to give me a little bit of comfort and cushion as I worked on on this new avenue that was being presented to me. So I took her advice. I didn't, and I actually kind of took it because I didn't think anybody would sign up for it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, just keeping her happy because that's what we do. We show up, we ask for advice and we're like, yeah, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear so you're happy with me and I'm not going to do anything with it, right? <laughs> that's just life. <laughs> um, but I put it out on Facebook and within 30 minutes, I filled up all 20 spots. And then I thought to myself, oh shit, what, what am I going to do with this? Like, how do I even conduct, conduct a reading? So I try not to think about it too much. And I did my first reading of the person that was coming in. And I have to mention that I was in my parents' like dungy garage that I was training clients out of too. And it's just dark and cold and musty. And I set up a table. I to, An hour before the reading, I went out, out and I bought a deck of tarot. And do not do that if you've never used cards before. Like, please go with the Oracle cards. And I sat down with this deck of cards at this table and just thought to myself, what am I doing? You're such a fraud. You don't even know how to use these cards. And I didn't even have time to read the booklet to figure out how to use them. And I started to freak out and went to cancel the client. And as I went to hit send, she knocked on the door early and I had a bit of a mini meltdown. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I have to do this. I guess I have to figure it out. So she came in, sat down, and ironically enough, it uh, was the wife of a girl I played soccer with. Kind of the irony there, and had no idea what I was doing, but kind of just went with the flow of things. And then next thing you know, something else took over. I do not even recall what I said, but I just remember at the end her being like broken, but so grateful and giving me a big hug and and closing the door and wondering what just happened. Yeah. And so I went through my 20 free ones, had no idea. Second client came in. I just was getting this download of you have to use a red pen. And I was like, that's weird. Pretty basic. Don't feel like using a red pen. Heard it again. And so I grabbed out a red pen and and I was told red was of significance for the person that was coming in. And again, my ego, my brain was saying, well, that's pretty basic, Stevie. Like, that's really not going to to hold any weight. But uh, he came in and he sat down and he was already pretty broken when he came in. And me trying to just be charismatic and to ease some of the tension just said, hey, like, welcome to my space. It's kind of weird. I was told to use a red pen today. Don't really know why I want to use a, a, a blue pen. But I was told that the color red is of significance for you and that I needed to mention it. And he just looks at me and I said, and I feel a, a female energy that's bring, delivering that message. And he told me that his wife had passed and her name was Reddy. I actually threw the pen. <laughs> I did. I like flew, I flipped it over my shoulder because here I was thinking it was something so insig insignificant and my ego was trying to filter everything that was coming through. And it was in that moment that I completely surrendered to that opportunity, that experience, and never questioned again what came through. And in that moment, I knew it was just my job to be a clear and open channel for whatever came through, using discernment, obviously. And uh, it's been such a beautiful path. It's been about 10 years now that I've been doing this. And I like to say that I'm a self-made intuitive because I did it through life experience. I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. I didn't have books. I didn't have resources. 
just made it happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a potent story. And <laughs> that some like a past on loved one came through in my reading as well. And in many friends who, who we've connected you with. So you, you definitely have a beautiful gift. It is so magical. And I love that story so much. Thank you for sharing. That would be so validating on just your second reading of, yes. yeah, this is what you're supposed to do. Keep doing it. <laughs> just wild. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Like, I, That's what happens when we just show up without attachment, without expectation is something I've really learned over the course of not just the 10 years, because once again, it's my intuition was always there and it, it was always showing me the way. But when we learn to just surrender and and show up and just allow ourselves to receive however that support wants to come in and and guide us, that magical things really do happen. Mm-hmm. And I love the piece of letting go of that like mind story that wants to tell you to ignore that little that little nudge because that happens all the time. I feel like we gaslight ourselves all the time out of the things that just kind of come through. We're like, no, 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 that's silly or that's so small and insignificant. But what is so insignificant to you is potentially life-altering to someone else. That's that's the ego's work. Like it, it is not my job to determine what is of significance to somebody else. It's my job to share what comes through and trust building that relationship with myself first and my own intuition and trusting myself enough to be that clear conduit that if something wants to come through for somebody else, that I'm going to share it just as it was delivered. Having those boundaries for my personal practice creates space for me to trust what comes through. But it happens because I trust myself first. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. So... You've had these gifts since you were very young. And is this something where you believe everyone has these gifts? Can we develop these gifts? Absolutely. And that's why I don't really like to use the word as a title for myself as a medium because it feels like it's separating myself from every other human. We all have the capacity to be our own medium, to tap into our intuition. And we all have the capacity to develop it to any degree that we want to. So no one person that does this work is more special or more qualified. It's just probably just myself as an example, been working at it a lot longer than the average person. But yes, we absolutely all have the ability to develop it. And I personally feel that we owe ourselves that. Um, to develop that intuition and to be able to connect with our spirit team that is basically our A-team behind the scenes, running ahead, ensuring ensuring the perfect environment, conditions, connections, resources, all of the time. Once we learn to tap into that, it makes our path so much more fluid. We are so much more awake. We are so much more adaptable when we are pulling away from our, our life theme or our truth. So doing this work, honestly, is probably one of the greatest gifts you could give yourself. You will never feel alone on this journey. And um, because of because of that, and my commitment, let me take a step back there for a second, is I've been doing readings and I thoroughly enjoy reading for other people. But there was something missing from my practice, which is that people were coming in expecting this hour to get all of this insight, a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of uh, relief and direction, but not really doing anything with it. 
And then I get people coming back and just kind of using it as a band-aid to kind of fix how they're feeling in that moment, but not creating that progression for themselves. And so for me, I didn't feel that it was acceptable for me to still be allowing to allow these people to come and, and not be empowered on their own journey. Um, so I did create a course, the Spirit Guide Immersive, which dives deep into the foundations and the theory behind working with the spirit team and making those connections for, for themselves and opening up and developing the psychic channels. That to me really resonates. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it's so it's so in integrity with like the, the bigger mission of of you empowering people to to step into their own abilities. And it's such a gift. And I can truly say I'm so excited for this course. I can truly say having done a few of Stevie's courses and being a part of her business and intuition mastermind, like they are deep dives into how we can connect to our higher self, our spirit team. Can you maybe go into like what the spirit team is? Maybe there's people who don't, don't really know what that is. Absolutely. So we come into this world, we feel we are individuals, but yet we're a part of this like collective soup. So we feel very alone. We like to individualize ourselves. We like to keep ourselves separate. However, we, we have access to what are called primary spirit guides and our primary spirit guides are reserved just for us in this lifetime. They are our A-team. We actually sit with them at the seat of council on the other side before we come into this lifetime to map out everything that we're going to experience. So everything that's happening and showing up in your life is happening for you and not to you. And you can think of your your A-team, your primary guides as those that are constantly keeping you on track, giving you those reminders, that discomfort when you're pulling away from what you signed up here to learn and working with them they they can provide us with any resources that we need, uh, help us to really connect with our truth and stay on course. And you can think of them as that best friend that is never going to tell you what to do, but they're always going to show you options that really align with you as a, with your truth as an individual. Um, they're not going to do the work for you, but they're always going to give you those subtle reminders without making you feel bad. Then we have access to so many different spirit guides to work with based on where we need support in our lives in that moment. And we can call on them anytime. And we, without a doubt, receive that guidance. It's just a lot of us don't necessarily receive the guidance we want to hear. So we ignore it. Like, oh, I know I should do that, but I don't want to. So I'm going to continue to self-sabotage and do all of the things that I've been doing that bring about the same results over and over and over again. Life is not supposed to be cyclical. It's not supposed to be monotonous. It's not supposed to be the same challenge coming up over and over again. We're supposed to work through that. So our team essentially helps us to work through those layers. And so that way we can have that that sense of accomplishment on the other side and open ourselves up to more growth, more work and all of that. I might may have steered away from your original question a little bit. Um, so- no, that was perfect. Having the connection to the spirit team is, it is like that little A team. It feels like you have this little cheerleading, cheerleading squad that's just here for you and you never feel alone. Very transformative to, to connect to this piece of of support that's always available to us. And there's so much surrender when we can let go of these patterns of control, Mm. of trying to really know 
all the details of where our life is going to go and how things are going to look and how we're going to feel. And when we can just take a breath and kind of surrender some of that to, to the divine, essentially. And the divine works through us. So it's, I don't want people to think, oh, developing my intuition, uh, I'm going to start hearing things or seeing things. I mean, if you haven't been seeing or hearing up until this point, it's probably fair to say that that's not your primary way of connecting with your spirit team. But because the divine is an extension of us and it flows through us, a lot of times these insights just feel like our own thoughts, but they're not our own thoughts. We're receiving it. And for anyone listening, I want you to think of a time where you had this gut feeling, you had this intuitive urge, but yet you didn't trust it. You did the complete opposite of what came through. And then you receive that validation from, from your environment or whatever came next that you should have stuck with your gut feeling originally. That comes from somewhere. That is our team working through us to keep us in alignment with what our greater needs are in that moment. I can, I can imagine that some people would have a really hard time trusting that little inner voice, mm-hmm. especially if we've veered off our path for so long that maybe things are starting to show up in chronic illness or pains or discomforts that the disconnection has been there for so long that it's hard to trust or maybe just even skepticism around connecting to something greater than us that, you know, that can surface as well. Absolutely. But then would I say like, is that your path then to to really open those channels? Like, is that potentially a lesson that, that you're here for? Absolutely. Skepticism in and of itself is a theme. And for me working with somebody that is skeptical, it's not my job to win them over or to to swing them to the other side of things and say, hey, this is how you should be operating. That's not the case. Instead, it's about trust, creating space for them to trust themselves first before they can even entertain trusting something that's outside of themselves. So skepticism is an invitation to go within more than anything. We're we're meant to experience and and try things and be expansive. So if I can do that in any small way, that fills my cup up. Yeah. And ultimately, you're just giving people permission to be more of them. Like it's the change is it's just more alignment. That's probably been the greatest gift that you have given given me. It's just deeper alignment. Your your work is so potent. I want everyone to listen to you <laughs> and dive into Thank your courses. You. I'm really excited about about your course coming up. I think that's really potent, and I I know a lot of people are really going to be interested in it. Do you have any anything else kind of going on that you want to chat about and dive into? Well, one thing I will mention about the Spirit Guide Immersive is, I mean, there's no fluff in my teachings. And that's really important for me is, is I'm just going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. We don't need to have ribbons and butterflies and sparkles in order for something to be effective. It's Let's get down to what works. Let's create some perspective shifts. Let's create space for us to come to our own conclusions and have our own experiences. So for me, it's really not about telling people what to do, but holding space for them to to at least feel comfortable exploring themselves and their spirituality in a much different way than what they're accustomed to. So for me, my course is 
is again, it's it's giving you a blueprint and a starting point, but it's giving you a lot of flexibility to to see what you identify with, what resonates with you as an individual, how you want to progress on your path, not saying this is one way, this is exactly what you need to do in order to experience, to achieve these results. That's, that's a bunch of poo-poo to me when I see that in a lot of um, course offerings and what's being put out there, which is always do this and you're going to have this. Everybody's experience is different and that needs to be nourished in nourish really more than anything. Um, so for me, I do have the spirit guide immersive. I you're in the business and intuition mastermind, which has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed that very much because again, for me, business has shown up in my life in a very unconventional way. But what I I've learned to lean into trusting, going with the flow, allowing my divine team to kind of pave that way for me instead of me mentally having to niche myself out or do have my business operating the way everybody else is doing it. That's that's not fun. That's not expansive to me. So for me to be able to hold space for other people to tune into that and trust themselves and and really hear that inner calling is really, really important. Yeah, other than that, I mean the podcast if you guys haven't had a listen there, that for me is another space to to connect with other innovators in the spiritual wellness space, Kyra included. So excited to, to have her on <laughs> next week's episode. And that is my way. Not everybody can afford my services. And I'm very aware of that. So for me, I want to be able to still teach and provide resources for other people that want to level up and learn without having to take a course if that doesn't fall within within their means. So the podcast really is a passion project of having these really powerful conversations with other people within the community and and just sharing in that experience together. It's really important to me. Your podcast adds so much value. Like the the I love the interview episodes. I love the solo episodes. There's so much within connecting to your spirit team through different the different clairs. Like maybe we could touch on that briefly. That I loved that episode. And yeah, you just there's constant value added in every episode. So thank you for the time and effort that you take to to offer that. I think I'm feeling like I want to dive into the clairs a little bit. Just 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 a little bit. Yeah. So if you could maybe touch on just some of the ways that our spirit team tries to connect with us. I know when I had my reading with you, you were like, you're dominant in five of the seven Claire senses. And I was like, whoa, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) And just having that awareness has brought up so, so much. So I would love to drop a little nugget of that in there that people can just start to bring some awareness to their own own world. This is where I'm like a kid in the candy shop. Amazing. <laughs> love, I love this stuff and I love sharing it with other people. So thank you for asking. And yeah, Kyra is very much like me, whereas with me, because just because I've been doing this work for so long, I do work with all of the senses. So I'm not just limited. But when people are getting started, I like them to focus on one to two senses. So I, I like to refer to it as a primary sense and a secondary sense. And those typically are the senses that the channels that come more naturally to the individual as they're really starting to dip their toes and be a little bit more comfortable with with receiving. Because most of us are really good at giving, but when it comes to the receiving aspect of that, that can be really challenging. So I don't want to push people completely outside of their comfort zone at the beginning, but rather 
some of the senses that feel a little bit more humanized, I would encourage them to explore those. But there are six main senses that the majority of us do work with, and there are more than that. But what those are is clairsentience, which is clear feeling, clairvoyance, which is clear seeing, clairaudience, which is clear hearing, claircognizance, which is clear knowing, very similar to mother's intuition. And then we have clairgustance, which is clear tasting and clairalience, which is clear smelling. And these are all of the channels that we do receive a lot of the messages that are coming our way for ourselves or for other people. And Hollywood is kind of kind of polluted this experience a little bit, making us feel like if we're working with these senses that they need to be super prof- uh, profound and that when we're receiving, it's got to be delivered in a way that we can't deny it. And that's not the case. We actually have to start with trusting the small nudges, the small things that we're receiving in order to build up to more profound validation. And validation should actually never be the goal. So what I would recommend for a lot of people is just take a look at how you naturally learn, what comes most natural for you. So if you're somebody that is more hands-on, you're more kinesthetic. So working with clairsentience is connecting through the physical self, through the physical body, our emotions and our physical sensations, that's going to feel very comfortable for that individual because it's very close to how they already learn just in a much more heightened way. And then there's claircognizance, which is just kind of this knowing. And I mean, we're thinking humans. So for us, it's normal to just think and daydream and have all these ideas. But when we start tapping into claircognizance, we quickly realize that a lot of these spontaneous thoughts that drop in aren't coming from ourselves. So when we can kind of create that shift and be okay with it, then we open ourselves up to receiving in a much more profound way. And we can kind of clear out the cobwebs of our channels in order to be tapping into our our truth, into the guidance we need to hear in that moment. Once again, what we need to hear, not what we want to hear we can start to bypass the ego. And that's when things really start to be, there's a lot more flow. It's a lot smoother because we are actually receiving what's coming through. And then it's our job to do something with it. I can imagine a meditation practice would be really good for our cognizance. Absolutely. <laughs> and and med- this is what I'm getting at though, in just in how I'm trying to deliver the material. I don't want to say my material because it's not my material. It's my, it's my team's material. It's a part of, and then we also have access to universal consciousness and universal energy that is available to everybody. So our primary guides are here for just us, but then we can tap into any other energy that we want based on where where we need support. And um, just what I'm getting at is that even when we hear the word meditation, your meditation practice also doesn't have to be conventional. It doesn't have to be seated in lotus. And I mean, the goal of meditation is not to get to a space where you don't think anything. Meditation is a supplemental practice that we can come to to consciously work on on calming our nervous systems and being able to tune into our inner voice. But the mind chatter doesn't go away. That's a part of being human. But we can meditate through walking, through gardening, um, through dance. It doesn't have to be done in one way and one way only. But as long as we're consciously connecting with what our needs are and how we best operate, then we can find a practice that that supports us, that opens up all of these channels to receive all of this beautiful insight, wisdom, knowing, direction, purpose. 
I love that. Yeah. Once you start doing this work, you realize that you don't need to be chasing after something. So purpose isn't something that you just attain and go, okay, I know what my purpose is. And now life is, is perfect. And I'm happy all of the time. That's not the human experience. Again, everything comes down to being present. So it's more about finding purpose in each moment and acting on what aligns with you, opposed to what aligned with you yesterday or six months ago or in your childhood. It's that conscious connection to self. So really opening up your channels creates this dialogue with yourself first to really tune into your inner needs in each moment. And then also couple that with with this beautiful guidance team that really can zoom out and knows everything you came into this lifetime to experience. So they can keep you on track with the bigger themes and lessons, but also help you to honor your needs in that moment coupled with that. Amazing. I have a question that's kind of on claircognizance, I suppose. I'm thinking about working with like angel numbers because I see a lot of numbers and I'm curious if in your opinion, the numbers are related to something specific or if it's about tapping into that kind of clear knowing and Mm -hmm. discerning what the message is for you? Yes. Great question. I I do have a bit of a passionate opinion about this one and I don't want my opinion to pull anybody away from what works for them. But in my opinion, when we're seeing angel numbers, repeat number sequences, when you're getting started, it can you can absolutely reach for kind of a generic message about what that is bringing to you in that moment. That is a great starting point. But at some point, we gotta we can't be relying on the hand holding, and we have to be able to go within to see how that connects with us in that moment. So for me, seeing number sequences and angel numbers is an invitation to connect with what you were just thinking of, and. For me, it's my spirit team and my angel's way of saying, hey, Stevie or Kyra, you're exactly where you need to be in this moment. What you're doing is working. So become conscious of kind of that dialogue around what you're doing and what you've previously done. And we're encouraging you to keep going with that. However, there's the other component of it that gives us the opportunity. So it's kind of a check-in point. It's like, okay, you're doing great, but what do you need to connect with in this moment? So when you see that sequence in that moment of two, 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 it may have a very different meaning for you than what it had yesterday. So it's more of a conscious practice of connecting. But the other thing that you can do that can be individualized for you is sit down with all the number sequences that tend to pop up for you and create a bit of a database for what does this mean to me? How does this resonate with me as an individual and the the feelings it brings up or the emotions that it touches on? What is your story behind each number? Ooh, I love that. That's great. I see 444 all the time. Fours are my number too. Oh, nice. My little ego was like, yeah, I see fours too. (laughs) Like Stevie, Stevie sees fours. (laughs) My favorite number, so. (laughs) Beautiful. Maybe we can touch on Claire audience as well. Like, is that like we're going to be hearing things? Mm -hmm. Or that that sounds kind of freaky. I mean, I'm into it, but yeah. And it does sound freaky and kind of my first spiritual awakening when I was 19. I won't go into that because that that is a big story in and of itself. But I had worked with a, a healer and she was working on me, on me and talking about my intuition. And she asked me if I was ready to hear, which is through the channel of Claire Audience. And she asked me if I was really ready to learn because 
once I opened that up, I was going to hear the trees. I was going to hear basically everything that was alive speaking to me. But automatically what happened is my fear radar was just like, whoa, not opening that up. That is way too scary. Not ready to go there. But automatically I assumed that hearing meant I was going to hear with my physical ears. I'm sure we've all seen that that movie. Is it What Women Want? Have you ever seen that movie where um, all of a sudden he can hear every single woman's thoughts? And it just – here he is. He was kind of a player, but then he's like, I wonder what women are thinking. And he kind of wished for that. And then he had this, like, sensory overload of hearing what every woman thought. And he's like, whoa, I don't want to go there. Some of the conversations <laughs> that were happening. It doesn't work that way. Okay? So the sense of hearing – Yes, in times, usually just in times of immediate danger, you may physically hear with your, with your ears, but it's more of an internal hearing. So it's, it's hearing a voice that kind of just comes through once again, almost sounds like your own thoughts, but it, um, but it's not like you can, you can tell that it's coming from an external source. And the thing with all of the senses is as we develop them, we actually have way more control over them. So it's, we can discernment piece. Yeah, absolutely. And we 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 think we may be controlling our experience by not touching on and developing these channels, but actually we aren't in control. And we are still receiving the stimuli and the messages, but we're receiving it in any way that it can come through. Whereas when we consciously choose to connect with and nurture these channels, we can say, "Hey, you know what? I really don't like working through clear audience." It's a little bit confusing for me or I'm uncomfortable. I would much rather work through clairsentience. And we can delegate that to our spirit team. Mm-hmm. Something that you taught in one of your courses was just that our spirit team isn't going to act in our life unless unless we invite them to. And that was really empowering to just realize that we have control. It's not like when you open up to the spirit team that you're just <laughs> flooded with all the downloads. Oh, we have free will. Like that's that's our contract of being here as a human in the physical experience is that we have say in how we choose to live our lives. However, if we choose to kind of neglect our path, we're going to run into resistance. But again, nobody up there is saying, hey, that's right or wrong. There's no such thing as right or wrong, rather choice. So if you want to choose the hard direction, that is completely on you. And our team is going to support us with that no matter what. However, um, with free will, we can't actually hear and connect with our spirit team unless we do the work and ask, invite them into our space. So it's not that the guidance is never there, but rather, have you invited them in? Have you created that dialogue? This is a relationship. This isn't something you just go, I'm having a really hard day and I get desperate. I throw up my hands and I pray and I expect them to come through and save the day. Every good relationship takes nurturance and time and building up that trust factor. So your team is always there. They're already always listening and and readily available. But if you're not opening yourself up to receiving the guidance, they can't reach you. And letting go of the attachment of, of receiving. I found if we come, yeah, like you said, from that like needy place, hands up, help me out. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they won't come through, but that it's more so in the in the surrender of expectation that the clarity really comes. Ooh. <laughs> I know we geek out over this stuff. I'm like, where do you want to go with it? Because I can go in so many different directions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
Oh, it's so exciting. You have some really good episodes on most of the Claire's, I would say, on your podcast, like deep dives into each one. I can link them all in the show notes. And we'll I just, that. <laughs> we'll link a whole bunch of wonderful episodes. She's also got a bunch of really cool uh, stories. And I mean, I know you were skeptical of recording your spooky Halloween episode with some of the crazy stories yeah. that you've experienced, but it was really interesting to hear more about your journey around mediumship and and spirits and yeah I was like what the one with the Ouija board and the thing going into the wall yeah you had me I (laughs) this is where I've learned to use discernment in like I have some pretty crazy stories it's a given and actually the people that are open to what I do when I meet them they're usually the ones that are like tell me the good stuff like tell me those stories and I do withhold them a little bit because with this practice, I never want to freak anybody out, out and coming again, I did open myself up to a lot of this. So it's, I'm probably 1% of, of the possibility of these things happening. Um, so I wouldn't want anybody to be creeped out on that, but yeah, if you're, you're game for that, then definitely check out the spooky stories one. Um, I was trying to be pretty tame with you today, Kyra, and not... <laughs> Oh, I love it. We're going to we're going to bring you on and we're going to have another episode where you're not tame and you just tell us all the crazy stories cuz that'd be great. <laughs> I'm here for it. If you give me permission, we can definitely make that happen. I definitely do. Uh, I'll ask my audience and make sure they're okay with it, but I have a feeling that they will be. <laughs> but not not so much in essence of the worthiness lab, I suppose, but <laughs> we'll do a little special episode. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Is there anything else you feel called to kind of touch on before we wrap up? Oh my goodness. Went by really fast. I feel like we could talk about a million things. Right? I know. (laughs) What needed to come through today. As already mentioned, I'm trying to create space for many different types of offerings, depending on where you're at in each moment, but also in terms of what people can afford. So as mentioned, the podcast is available. I am updating also my resource hub this week. So if you're on my website at stevieshaler.com and you go under to read the button that says resource hub, I do have some free resources there for working with energy cords and some other different aspects of healing that I think are really beneficial and should be in the hands of everybody. So again, free support and offerings there wherever I can. My newsletter is really where I'm going to be emphasizing a lot of my energy over the coming months here, I have been feeling this call to move away from social media, um, specifically Instagram and Facebook, really to be able to connect with the community in a much more authentic way for me feels through my offerings and through the newsletter too, where my focus is to really be connecting with other people in the community and the genius that they're sharing with others and their, their opportunities to help other people level up. So there will be some features in my newsletters for other amazing practitioners. Kyra's been in there too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do have that on my website for people to sign up. Other than that, I do have the retreat that's coming up September 24th to 26th. Yes, just went out yesterday and it's at Loon Lake Lodge in Maple Ridge and it's magical. Spontaneous things happen at these retreats. without getting into too much detail but yeah we myself and Stacey Barkley from the medicine within 
love teaming up within the community and holding space. And our focus here is just to create space for a reset of the nervous system after the last, what has it been now, like 16 plus plus months of the pandemic. So really, it's just a space to gather, play and heal and really looking forward to that. Mm, that is going to be so potent. Oh, and it looks so beautiful, that space. I'm very excited. Those, I'm pretty sure those spots fill up really fast. So if you're curious about the retreat, definitely check that out. I'll link it in the show notes and in her Instagram and her website and all that jazz. Definitely get on her newsletter. It's amazing. It's just to the point and beautiful and all of your offerings. And I know you do occasionally offer one-to-one readings. Um, They book up within like a few hours. So if you want, you need, and you need to be on the newsletter for that. So get on the newsletter. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love your newsletter. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Yeah. It's again, coming down to the authenticity piece for me to really be connecting with the community and to be able to reach everybody. Not everybody's on social media and Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Um, sometimes people don't get the opportunity to connect or to work with me just because they're not hanging out in that space. So at least with my newsletter, I know it's landing in everybody's inbox. And then I kind of leave it up to the divine and where people are at to kind of orchestrate for me, <laughs> kind of who's ready to, to, to receive a one-on-one session and who isn't. And if you don't receive it in that moment, I trust that when you're ready to, it's it's going to come available. So I do, I'm not doing as many readings nowadays. And over the summer, I'm definitely going to be a lot slower. It's, there'll be a few here and there, but if you're on the newsletter, then when they come available, it's going to land straight in your inbox. And yeah, I'd love the opportunity to work together. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Stevie. Is there any, any like piece of advice that you want to offer listeners? Mm-hmm. Any just little nugget of wisdom that you're feeling called to share? Uh, I guess my piece of advice would be to to be mindful that what you resist persists. So just like me with my journey, if something keeps showing up over and over again and it's really uncomfortable, then it's an invitation to look at where you're at and really honestly and radically be radically honest with yourself and assessing where am I? What have I been doing? What can I do differently? So we have these built-in check-in points all over the place. But um, if you're not happy with where you're at, remember it's your responsibility and you are where you're at because of the choices you're making. So if you want a different set of circumstances, it's up to you to do that work in trusting yourself, allowing yourself to receive all this beautiful guidance that is available to you to far exceed your expectation but you have to do something with it. Knowledge is absolutely useless without putting it into action. If you loved this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe or pop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so that we can get these words into as many ears as possible. Have a beautiful day, friends, and I can't wait to connect with you next week on The Worthiness Lab.